Well, welcome everybody to, to Alpha. It is great to have you here. Um, how many, let me just ask real quick, how many of you here for the very first time, never been to Alpha before? Whoa, okay. Well, welcome. Thank you for your bravery. It is really great to have you here. Hey, um, my name is uh, Frank Loria, and I have the privilege of hosting. This, this is the 41st time we've done Alpha at Lakeview Christian Center. We actually started in 2001. We have the privilege of doing this typically two th uh, twice a year, unless a hurricane happens to get in the way. Um, but let me tell you, I'll tell you a little bit about me, and then I'll give you a little bit of the history of the Alpha course and why I believe uh, over the course of the next seven weeks, it's going to be worth your while uh, to, to join us. Um, a little bit about me. I, I just retired from a business that I owned for a bunch of years. Actually, I uh, was in that company for about 44 years and owned it for about 40 of those years. And uh, so uh, my wife has been looking for ways to get me out of the house. So I've been spending a little bit of time here. It's more of a transition for her than it is for me, I think. But um, so my wife and I have attended, we've attended Lakeview here for about 40, just short of 43 years. And um, that's been interesting. And so, do I need to wait on you for something? Okay. Um, but before I do anything else, I need to introduce to you my better three quarters on her off days. Sweetheart, would you stand up? This is my wife, Annette. And uh, she is my bride of 44 years, six months, uh, two days. 38, 38 minutes. Uh, we have three grown kids who are married to three other grown kids, and uh, they have given us 12 grandchildren. Uh, yes. Um, both Annette and I grew up in New Orleans, and uh, Annette went to Dominican High School. Uh, I attended an uh, all boys school called New Orleans Academy, and um, I graduated. Pay no attention to you? How can I pay no attention to you? You control me. Um, I graduated from a little boy, all boys school called New Orleans Academy. I graduated with distinction. Uh, I graduated the top 18 of my class of 21. And uh, I, chose, I chose, chose not to pursue a college education. So I attended Louisiana State University. Um, where there's so many other things to pursue than an education. And I, I, was a, I was a member of the Deke fraternity, uh, the original Animal House. And um, I mean, the closest thing to religion in the Deke House on the LSU campus is that we were right next door to Christ the King Church. And that was about as close as we got. But that's actually where I met Annette, uh, swinging from a chandelier. And uh, that's really where she caught my eye uh, with her heel. And then um, my shoulder with her knee, and then down we went, and, and she has been all over me ever since then. <laughs> well, that's the way I've trained myself to remember it anyway, but it's not really true. But the Alpha Course started back in 1977 in London, England, when uh, a pastor by the name of an Anglican priest by the name of Nicky Gumbel actually took this little fledgling course called Alpha that was in Holy Trinity Brompton Church. And the next thing you know, over the years, it's become uh, a class that's gone all over the world in, in virtually every Christian denomination. Uh, over 30 million people have attended Alpha all over the world. Uh, in 130 countries, for 100 languages, it's embraced by virtually every Christian denomination. And we've had a lot of fun here and the distinction of having a lot of uh, pastors and priests here from different denominations, and it's been a joy, and we're really honored that so many folks have come to Alpha here. We've, like I said, we've done Alpha since 2001. Um, uh, in the 22 years now we've held Alpha, I've counted, we've had about 10,000 people come through the Alpha course here, and we're really excited about that. Well, let me tell you, just give you a little quick layout of the Alpha course. We're going we're gonna to have, we typically do 10 weeks of Alpha, but because of schedule, we're going to do eight, and you guys seem fairly advanced, so we think we can give you that information in eight weeks. So tonight, we're going to talk about, is there more to life than this? And that's a great question. 
We're going to really jump into that tonight. Second week, who is Jesus? May seem like an easy question, but it's not. We're going to really talk about uh, what is the Bible? Can we believe what the Bible has to say? Um, did the resurrection actually happen? Was Jesus really a historic figure? Uh, so we're going to touch on some of those topics. Why did Jesus die? Let me tell you, with my religious upbringing, I had no idea. And there were answers to this question from the Bible that really helped me get a better understanding of what Jesus really had to do with me. Section four, how can I have faith? I prefer to title this, this, this uh, topic, can I be sure of my faith? Can I really be sure about what I believe? Or do I just hope I die on a good day? It's a good question. Week five, why and how should I read the Bible? We're really going to dig into the Bible and what it has to say. And is it believable? Um, is there any evidence to support this ancient book actually is the truth? God's, God's word breathed out to man. How can I resist evil? This is an interesting question. Some people want to know, why should I resist evil? Uh, but we talk about how can I resist evil? There's evil in the world today. And we're going to talk about some of those topics, what that means. Who is the Holy Spirit is session seven. And we add to that a little weekend meeting as well. And then finally, session eight, what about the church? You know, there's so many stereotypes that you and I grow up with religiously that we really don't take the time to really think them out for ourselves. What is past the stereotype? Is there anything? And so if Alpha is anything, it is an introduction to the Bible. Uh, and it's an introduction and an opportunity for you and me to think and to reason and to talk in a completely uh, non-threatening atmosphere to find out what the Bible has to say about God, what the Bible has to say about God, what the Bible has to say about you, and what the Bible has to say about me. I also want to tell you that what Alpha is not. Alpha is not a membership drive at Lakeview Christian Center. Alpha is not about you changing your denomination or changing your church. Um, Alpha is totally free. And we love doing Alpha here. And so we're excited and honored that you are here. And so our hope is this, that in the midst of our 100 mile an hour lives, we're going to hit the pause button and think about life's questions that really need answers. Uh, important questions about our entire lives. Uh, not just for a moment, but on this side, as our heart is beating, and if there is something on the other side of our last heartbeat. It was Socrates that said this. He said, the unexamined life is not worth living. And like I said, we just get so busy today in our frenetic pace, we don't really stop long enough to think about not just what do I believe, but why do I believe what I believe? We just we take so much time to, and spend so much time on things that last such a little bit of time. And so that's what we're going to talk about. Not just the what of what we believe, but why do I believe that? And this will be a great opportunity in Alpha to, to think about what you believe and talk to other people about what they believe and why do they believe them. It's really a lot of fun. But for that to happen, like I said, we're going to have to tap the brakes. We may have to slam on the brakes to just take these Tuesday nights and say, I'm going to leave Tuesday night for an opportunity for me to do something I haven't done in a long time. Think about, not just think, I mean, I know you have to think, but think about life and what's it all about. So for that to happen, though, we're going to have to take some time. Here's, here's some really insightful thoughts from, a, from an awesome teacher. Uh, an author by the name of Oz Guinness, he said this, he said, most of us, and follow this with me, most of us feel immortal in our teens and 20s. Then we move through life so fast in our 30s and 40s that we lose sight of the journey and think only of our careers. Well, I could relate to that. Even if world bends down the river, they ask this question, have you awakened to the journey of life? Or are you among those drifting down the years? Are you among those so caught up in the project of themselves that they choose not to hear the flow of time? 
And then he challenges us. Are you living an examined life? Sounds like you may have talked to Socrates here. Are you living an examined life or are you living in the hand-me-down ideas of others? Are you open to the full interrogation of life? Or are you closed to the search because you believe what you've always believed without question? I think Oz Guinness hit on something here for us. And we would think that probably people that have, you know, that they've, they've reached the pinnacle of their career or fame, that they certainly wouldn't have these questions, would they? They certainly have it all together. Well, apparently that's not the case. And just got a couple of quotes here from, you, you guys heard of this guy Shia LaBeouf, right? A few years ago, Parade Magazine quoted him as saying this. He said, sometimes I feel like I'm living a meaningless life. And I get frightened. I know I'm one of the luckiest dudes in America right now. I've got a great house. My parents don't have to work. I got money. I'm famous. But it could all change, man. It could go away. You never know. He says, I don't handle fame well. Most actors on most days don't think they're worthy. That's because they think they're beyond worthy. That's what that is. He says, I've got no idea where this insecurity comes from. But it's a God-sized hole. If I knew, I'd fill it, and I'd be on my way. Tom Brady, some of you heard Tom Brady, you know, the guy who likes to, to, to deflate footballs. Um, finally retired, uh, I think for the last time. Um, back in 2005, Tom Brady was interviewed by, um, by 60 Minutes. At that time, he would had three Super Bowl rings. And he's 27 years old, and he's basically got the world by the tail. And this is what Steve Crawl found out from Mr. Tom Brady. Why do I have three Super Bowl rings and, and still think there's something greater out there for me? I mean, maybe a lot of people would say, hey, man, this is what it is. I reached my goal, my dream, my life is me. I thank God. It's got to be more than this. I mean, this isn't, this can't be what it's all cracked up to be. I mean, I've done it. I'm 27. And what else is there for me? What's the answer? I wish I knew. <laughs> I wish I knew. I mean, it's, I think that's part of me trying to go out and experience other things. But there's a, I know, I love playing football and I love being the quarterback for this team. And, but at the same time, I think there's a lot of other parts about me that I'm trying to find and different ways of expression, being around. I know what ultimately makes me happy are family and friends and positive relationships with, with great people. And I think I get more out of that than anything. I mean, here's a guy that you would think has it all together. And what means most to him is family and friends. Hmm. And if you followed his life at all, you know what's happened to him lately in terms of family. And it's just heartbreaking. Nothing in this world really satisfies. Well, maybe there's some other people that, that know better. Maybe, maybe Ted Turner, right? Remember Ted Turner, CNN, helped bring the internet into existence. He says, this is during an interview with Barbara Walters. Walters asked him, what do you mean by success? What to you, Ted, is successful? He said, I think it's kind of an empty bag. Must be a, that must be a big bag. Um, he said, you have to get there to really know that. Money doesn't buy happiness, and neither does honors or position and awards or trophies. Eventually, young, handsome Ted Turner just becomes an old man with a lot of money and says, really, what's it all about? It's got to be more than this. Jim Carrey, crazy Jim Carrey, he's never looked this clean cut in a long time. He says, I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so they can see it's not the answer. Hmm. Ralph Barton was the cartoonist to the stars in the 1920s. I mean, he, he drew so many different uh, famous people. Th this is a note from, from Barton. He said, I've had few difficulties, many friends, great successes. I've gone from wife to wife and house to house. 
visited great countries of the world, but I am fed up with inventing devices to fill up 24 hours a day. And that's the note they found on his pillow after Ralph Barton had put a gun to his head and pulled the trigger. Donald Kalish was the chairman of the philosophy department at UCLA from 64 to 70. This is what Dr. Kalish had to tell um, Time Magazine many years ago. I'd love to have been one of his students. Um, there is no system of philosophy to spin out, says the good doctor. There are no ethical truths. There are just clarifications of particular ethical problems. Take advantage of these clarifications and work out your own existence. You are mistaken to think that anyone ever had the answers. There are no answers. Be brave and face up to it. Well, I guess that meant he never had any tests. So if there are no answers, you can just kind of go through his class. Um, but with all due respect to Dr. Kalish, he kind of contradicts himself, I think, when he says that there are no answers. To say that there are no answers is, in fact, an answer to the question, are there any answers? Not only that, um, he says that life has no purpose. And yet, Dr. Kalish made it his life's purpose to tell people that life has no purpose. Hmm. So why should we believe Dr. Kalish? Why should we believe his philosophy, his worldview? See, the Bible takes issue with Dr. Kalish and a whole lot of other people. The Bible that I had never read, had never read, does claim to have answers to life's essential questions. But let me ask you this question. There's a little participation here. How many of you, is just typical course of your life, grew up reading or just studying in any way, examining or spending time with the Bible? Just go ahead and raise your hand. It was something you did all the time. Come on, don't be shy. This is, I'm not gonna, there's no Gestapo here that's gonna bring you away from. Okay, so wow, one, two, three. Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Wow, this is a big crowd. This is a big number. I typically don't get more than five hands. But you can see here, what I'm saying is that most of us don't really know what the Bible says because we really hadn't been introduced to it. I mean, the Bible gives us worldview, answers to worldview questions of origin and purpose and destiny. Where did I come from? Where am I going? But mostly, why am I here? What is it all about? See, the Bible made claims that God made that bring us to the place that shows us that God desires to be intimately involved in our lives and has given us life to have meaning and purpose and fulfillment. Now, look, I'm not asking you to believe that. I'm not asking you to believe a word I say, actually, but to check this out, to think on your own. But if the Bible is true... Jesus, and next week we're going to get in more into the person of Jesus. He made some incredible claims. He said that he, the purpose he came was to give us life and life abundantly, fully. Now, but to, to believe that, though, requires something. To believe that requires faith. Do you have faith? Are you a person of faith? Would you consider yourself a person of faith? Um, maybe, maybe not so much, but you understand we exercise faith every day, don't we? All the time we exercise. Faith is not necessarily a religious thing. Faith is something we exercise all the time. How many of you guys watch the weather to determine whether you should have an outdoor activity? You ever do that? Sure. Of course you do. And, and, and what do the weathermen know? I mean, the weatherman, he's like, uh, maybe <laughs> now, now I think I really do believe. Oh gosh, here he is. Wait again. <laughs> What are we going to do with you? I thought, okay, just tell her, tell her, tell, tell, hi. Yeah, I know. I know. Uh, it's, if you weren't here last time, you do not know what we're laughing at, but just trust me. It's, it's good. Um, but I mean, I think, I mean, how many times should weathermen be able to get it wrong and still have that? I think, I, I honestly believe it. You just get so many times. And if you miss a rain cell, you end up, you end up in, a, in a jail cell, right? They just, police just come and just take you away. We've had enough of this. Um, how many of you drove here tonight? Everybody drove here tonight? Okay, yeah, I figured you didn't walk. But, um, but did you know for a fact you'd get here when you, when you got in your car? 
mean, I, I looked in the parking lot. Some of you guys drove with a lot more faith than others um, from what I see there. But, but again, did you know your car was going to start? I mean, you assumed it was going to start. Did you know, though, when you got on the street that when you didn't have a stop sign, but the other people had a stop sign, did you know that they were going to stop? I mean, you, you assume they're going to stop, but it's faith. I mean, all of life is about faith. I, I trust you guys enjoyed your meal tonight. Did you enjoy your meal tonight? Great. Good. Oh, yeah. I had nothing to do with it. Uh, you're, you're, you're clapping now. Uh, but did you meet the chef? Do you have any idea what kind of day he had? Um, I took a picture of him before I came out here. And so he just... So, I mean, you... you you ate that meal, and some of you just ate and ate and ate, and, but you ate that meal in... Oh, I'm sorry. For, didn't mean to show him so, so soon. But you ate that meal in faith. You never met the guy. But you ate in faith. Now, what do you know? He just had a really bad day, really, really bad day, and he decided to add something that has a little bit of a time release in it, that about 2 o'clock this morning, you're just going to be doubled over, and you're going to have to go see a doctor. And I already showed you, is this the doctor that you're going to want to go see? Okay, but, but we, we go to restaurants in faith, we drive in faith, um, we go see doctors in faith. It's not blind faith, but it's faith nonetheless. Um, how many of you guys like to fly, enjoy just being on a plane? Okay, just, okay there are some strange people here. Um, okay. But um, how, about, how, about, how about this flight? U.S. Air 1549, January 15, 2000. And nine. On the way from LaGuardia to the Charlotte Airport, they took a little bit of a different route. Unite, um, I'm sorry, um, U.S. Air did not charge any extra for this stop. <laughs> I mean, just nice slip and slide kind of action here. Um, at least it was a pleasant day in New York. The, uh, the water temperature was 35 degrees. The air temperature was 18 degrees. Um, it kind of brought new meaning to the word on a wing and a prayer. Don't you think? Just, uh, but but that's, here was the issue, and this was not reported in the newspaper. The real issue, what brought this plane down was illegal aliens. Did you know that? It was an, it was an immigration problem. It was a gaggle of undocumented Canadian geese. Just, I just thought, I, I like that joke. I think it's funny. Just, so... Um, but here's the thing. We all have faith, don't we? You know, you go to a courtroom. The judge says what? If you've been on a jury, I've been on a jury. I've had that. To come to a conclusion beyond a, what? A reasonable doubt. It doesn't say beyond a shadow of doubt. You look at the evidence to make a rational conclusion. So the more evidence presented, the more reasonable the faith position. Okay, one more question. How many of us believe there's something on the other side of our last heartbeat that's going to last forever and we sure hope it's going to be good. Just raise your hand. Something on the other side of your last heartbeat believe it's going to be good. Okay, so most of you do? Yeah, okay. Again, you don't have to be shy. There's no, there's not, nobody's looking at you. I, I am looking at you. Okay, so, so this is what's so fascinating to me is so few of us have read the Bible. Again, this is not a criticism. This is, this is me. So few of us have read the Bible but we, for some reason, we believe there's something on the other side of our last heartbeat, and we believe it's going to be good. Interesting. I've got a little uh, example here. I want to get Rutendo from Zimbabwe. My dear brother is going to help me. Micah, you going to come? My grandson, Micah, is going to come? Now, Rutendo is going to represent... Hold that. There you go. Physical life. And is he not quite the specimen? Let's just say. <laughs> so, Micah, come... So, Rutendo, yeah, hold that. that. He represents physical life. And I want you to hold this too, right at the end of that there. And Micah, you know what to do with this. Just take it as far as you can. Oh. Keep going. I really prefer him to go out of the door. Hold it, hold it tight, though. Hold it tight. You can, you can roll it back. It has one, it's, it's kind of mechanical. It's old school. Any day now. Okay, good. All right, so, so can you see this? Rutendo is representing... Physical life. Okay, now, now here's the question. Now, every one of us, let's say this is the beginning of life and this is the end of life, but none of us quite know when the end is, do we? Anybody know when the end is? No. I mean, we have no idea how we are. We, we may not make it through tonight. 
You may make it a couple of days. You may make it 10 years. You don't know. But none of us knows and none of us wants to know when that time is coming. But what you told me was this. When this little, let's just call it a dash. When this dash is over, you, you raise your hand and said, I believe there's something on the other side of my last heartbeat that's going to last forever. And I sure hope it's going to be good. Okay. Now, but here's what is fascinating to me. We spend so much time consumed with what are we going to study? How are we going to make a living? What neighborhood are we going to live in? What car are we going to drive? Where are my kids going to go to school? What am I going to invest in? Uh, God forbid we get the wrong cell phone policy and end up in cell phone hell for two years, right? I mean, these are just, these are huge deals. I mean, we spend more time figuring out where we're going to go on vacation than we actually spend time on the vacation because it's got to be perfect, right? Well, why is it then if we spend so much time critically thinking about things that are going to last so short a period of time? I'm 66 years old. I have no idea how that happened. I mean, I know it happened one second at a time, but it happened and click, it just goes so fast. But you don't understand how fast it goes until it's gone. But we spent all this time thinking about things are going to last such a little bit of time. But when it comes to that, which we believe is going to last forever, I hope so. I think so. I'm, I'm praying so. I do. I hope I die on a good day. I mean, I, I, these, are the, these are the things that we really need to try to pay more attention to. And think about. So if, if we're spending a lot of time thinking about this that lasts such a short period of time, wouldn't it just make sense if we're thinking people to say, okay, if there is something on the other side of my last heartbeat, can I know that? Well, the Bible says I can know that. I'm not telling you to believe it. But if nothing else, what you'll get out of this time coming here, you will get a better understanding of what the Bible says and what the Bible doesn't say. And I think both are equally important. Okay? Could we thank them? Are you okay holding this? Do you get tired? Thank you. Buddy. Excellent job. Excellent. You know, it, it was C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis, you guys have heard of C.S. Lewis, obviously. Chronicles of Narnia, a bunch of books. He was the, uh, a professor of, of um, ancient English literature at Oxford and Cambridge universities. Um, this, this is a, cu- a couple of quotes from him. This is what he said. One of these says, he says, if you aim at heaven and you'll get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you get neither. So what, what Lewis is saying here, if we get the line right, we'll get the dash right. He says, if we get the long term right, the short term will make sense. That's a fascinating thing. Now, Lewis was anything but a Christian through the early years of his life. He was a devout atheist. And he was won over by the preponderance of the evidence that Christ is who he says he is and that the Bible, being a professor of ancient English literature, just being a professor of literature, saw that there was something so unique about the Bible. He also said this, which I thought is good. He said, if I find in myself, think about this, if I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, okay, you thinking about those things so far? The most probable explanation is I was made for another world. That's an interesting, very interesting and provocative statement. We chew on that. Ray Pritchard said this, he said, we were made to know God. We are incurably religious by nature. That's why every human society, no matter how primitive, has some concept of a higher power, some vision of reality that goes beyond the natural. It was St. Augustine who, um, he was the Hugh Hefner of the 300s, by the way, if you didn't know that. I mean, this guy was looking for love in all the wrong places. And then he has an encounter with God, and he is, obviously, we, we esteem him today. This is what... In one of Augustine's prayers, he says, You, God, have made us for yourself, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. So much stuff does not remove restlessness. Stuff never removed restlessness. Stuff just increases the bills to maintain the stuff. But restlessness, hopelessness even, 
uh, boy, what, I mean, what we've experienced just over the last three years. It has been a phenomenal just last three years. Um, I, I don't know that there have been people that have ever been more restless. And we're just finding out stuff can't save us. Stuff wasn't meant to save us. And we just seem to have trouble finding our way. And, and that's the Bible's declaration of the necessity of the incarnation of the Son of God. And if you will, heaven's rescue mission to win back to God the inhabitants of the planet Earth to win back you and me. If what the Bible says is true, this is, these, these statements are just too powerful and individual and meaningful just to be left to assumption. So possibly, I mean, possibly you have or maybe you still do see Christianity as boring, irrelevant, even untrue. Our hope is that over the, the few weeks that we will spend here together, you're going to find that it is just the opposite. So throughout the Bible, I saw declarations that Jesus made about himself that are so contrary to what I sincerely believed or assumed about him and his purpose for coming to earth. So I'm going to just do this as I'm, as I'm closing up. I'm going to touch on three things Jesus said about himself that, if true, have dash and line ramifications, the now and forever ramifications for each in every one of us individually. And so, I mean, we even got this in the manuals. If you guys want to turn to your manual at page eight, it's right there where Jesus talks about. Now, I'm, I'm going to talk about some things that aren't in the manual, um, but this is, what, this is what Jesus said. This is recorded in John chapter 14, verse six. The Gospel of John, the 14th chapter, the sixth verse. He says, Jesus answered, he said, I am the way and the truth and the life. Now, just look here for a minute now that I told you to look at the book. Um, this is a crazy statement. He didn't say, I am a way or a truth or a life. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That is a, an amazing statement. That is even, about as arrogant of a statement as you can make. Or as crazy of a statement you can make, we can talk about that more next week. Or it's the truth. Well, let's talk about this. He said, I am, he said, I am the way. He didn't say that the rules, keeping the rules were the way, or keeping the laws were the way, or church attendance was the way, or do-gooding was the way, or praying sincerely is the way, or giving away, giving money, or serving, or charity is the way. He said, I am the the way he understood the condition of each and every one of our hearts and i think every one of you could raise your hand when i say this restless or unsettled wayward empty lonely broken-hearted confused i mean you can fill in more of them but the heart of christianity is not rule keeping the heart of christianity is the person of jesus christ of knowing him he says that he knows our need and fills it. This is in the sixth chapter of the Gospel of John. Jesus says this. He says, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. Oh, and what is he saying here? He's not saying he's the Pillsbury Doughboy. Okay, he's not saying he's just bread. What he's saying here is, I want to, I fill a part of you that you cannot fill yourself. I will fill your soul with myself. He says, he who comes to me will never hunger and he who believes in me shall never thirst. Now he must, if he is God incarnate, he is saying here that in every human being, there is a hole. There is a hungering. There is a thirsting for something beyond anything that this world can offer us. Then in the 10th chapter of John, Jesus says this. He says, not only am I the bread, he says, I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and go in and out and find pasture. And he says, I have come that they might have life and have it abundantly. Now, again, these are, these are sincerely strong statements that he's making. But what does he mean that he is the door? What did he mean that whoever enters the door through himself, the way being the way, will be saved. What he's saying is, 
Humanity apart from him is going in the wrong direction. But he is the door of entrance into life. I am the way. And he said, you'll find pasture. What do you have in pasture? Okay, you, you look at a sheep or an animal in pasture, you see security. You see satisfaction. You see feeding. See, And I have come that you might have life. Now, if Jesus, if this statement is true, and he says, I come that you might have life, there must be something in each and every one of us that's missing. What would that be if he said, I come to give you life? Hmm. He also said, I am the truth. And that some would ask, particularly in the realm of religion, isn't it just, isn't it enough just to be sincere in your beliefs? That you just, if you're sincere enough, it really, that's what's so important. Does it really matter what we believe? But what does sincerity and truth have to do with one another? I can sincerely believe something, and I sincerely believe things about Jesus for, my, for much of my life until I began to look at the Bible and saw that what I believed about Jesus and what the Bible said about Jesus were two completely different things. Um, and so it's really much more than what you believed. I believed, but again, I found that I was sincere, but sincerely wrong. So does it matter here? Does it matter what we believe? Okay, so some would say this, and sincerely, it's really not what you believe, but that you believe. Well, let me just kind of tease that out a little bit. Would we believe this? It's not what you eat, but that you eat. Now, I know we're in New Orleans, so probably it goes. But would we believe that for a moment? Say, it's not what you eat, but that you eat. How about this? It's not what you breathe, but that you breathe. You want to go to East Palestine, um, Ohio right now and say, hey, folks, don't matter what you breathe. Just go ahead and keep breathing. Nobody would say that. How about this? It's not what you invest in, but that you invest. As long as your investor is Bernie Madoff or Sam Bankman, you know. Of course, we wouldn't agree with that either. We wouldn't live that way. We just sincerely believe that that stock's going to make you a lot of money and it's going to make you a lot of money. And now this one, I, I may have some, I may be wrong here. It's not what you marry, but that you marry. Now, some of us are getting kind of old here. It's like, well, maybe so. I just can just go by, take about whatever comes in my way this time. But none of us believe that. None of us live that way. And so why should we chuck our brains when it comes to spiritual things? Why should we just assume when it comes to spiritual things? Um, it's, it's, it's really interesting that, um, you know, does something that I believe is true make it true? It, uh, Oprah Winfrey, who is the high priestess of uh, all things wise, um, I, I, I couldn't help but put this into the presentation. Speaking your truth is the most powerful tool we all have. So you speak your truth, and 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 they could be completely contradictory to one another, but it's your truth. Does that make it true? Now, it, it, it's just like, again, it's not what you believe, but that you believe. One of the problems that folks have with, with, with biblical Christianity is that it's, it's, it just seems to be so very exclusive. Well, if you've spent any time studying any religions of the world, they're all exclusive. Every one of them is exclusive, but they're saying different things. Like, if you're a Buddhist, with all due respect, you don't even believe in a god. If you're a Hindu, you believe in millions of gods. If you're a Mormon, you can believe that, gentlemen, I'm sorry, ladies, not for you, you can be the god of your own planet if you do all the right things. Okay? If you're Jehovah's Witness, Jesus was the spirit brother of Lucifer, and he did not rise physically from the dead. Okay? If... If you're a Muslim, Jesus was just a prophet. He didn't really die on the cross. He was taken off the cross, and somebody else took Jesus' place. Okay, so, so there's something called the law of non-contradiction. In other words, something can't be saying this, and something be saying complete, something completely different, and they both be true. Either one is true, and the other is false, or they're both false. So the question is really not exclusivity. The question is, what is the truth? Jesus said, maybe he's wrong. 
I am the truth. We can talk about that much more next week. But, but hear this. Uh, as I said a moment ago, the God of the Bible did not ask you and me to check our brains at the door when we walk into church. Just the opposite. If you, if, if you were to read the fifth book of the, the Hebrew Scriptures, the Old Testament, in a book called Deuteronomy, in the sixth chapter it says this. This is the great Jewish prayer. If you ask a religious Jew to recite to you the Shema, they will say, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord your God is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, which to the Jew meant basically your whole being, with all your heart, and then with all your soul, and with all your mind, and then with all your strength. And so, I believe the scripture tells us that God gave us a mind to humbly, thoughtfully think and be critical and ask him, if you're there and you really are there, I want to get to know you. Anybody here want to believe a lie? Just love believing lies. I, I hope not. I don't want to believe a lie. I'm not standing up here because I'm hoping you'll buy into this. I really don't believe it. I'm not selling anything. I don't get paid to do this even. And you will understand why. And, uh, <laughs> so Jesus also said this by Oprah. He said, I am the way and the truth and the life. Again, the Bible teaches, not asking you to believe it, but this is what it says, that we were made in the image of God, but we humans, we marred that image when our progenitors, our mom, our original mom and dad, rebelled in the garden. Why does Jesus say he is the life unless we need life? Well, in Genesis, the third chapter, the first two humans declared their independence from God. God set in the midst of the garden two trees, one the tree of life, one the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God said, you can eat any of the trees from any of the trees, but the day you eat of this fruit, you shall surely die. And we know what they did. They ate of the fr fruit and they died. Now, did they drop dead? No. But death from God's perspective, was they died in their union with God and they were separated from God. See, death in the Bible does not mean annihilation. It means separation. And they were separated from God. They immediately died in their relationship to a holy God, a perfect God. And then they began to die, to, to die in their relationship to one another. And boy, how we see that conflict raging today in amazing ways in our homes, in our cities, in our country, all over the world. And then they died to their bodies. They died their relationship with God, their relationship to one another, and then they died in their relationship to their bodies. And it left you and me, if what the Bible says is true, heirs of a nature that wants what it wants when it wants it, and the hell with you. I got to get what I got. Because I only go around once in life. And I'm going to grab for everything I can. Some of you are old enough to remember that commercial. And the only difference between the offense to God when you were two years old and today are the complexities of our self-centeredness and offense against a holy God. We want it our way. Sinatra made a lot of money singing a song of independence from anything but himself. William Ernest Henley was... Uh, Quite a famous poet in the United Kingdom. Uh, he wrote a poem called Invictus. And I remember that movie, that rugby movie. It was a great movie with Matt Damon. In it. But here is the last stanza of the poem Invictus. Just like a happy guy, doesn't he? He says, it matters not how straight the gate. Now, you remember he's talking. He's alluding here to the New Testament. Remember, Jesus said, the way is narrow that leads to life and few are they that find it. It matters not how straight the gate, how fraught with punishment the scroll. Do you know what he's alluding to there? Ten Commandments. Okay, how fraught with punishment the scroll. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. I wish we could hear from Mr. Henley today. 
as to how well he did sailing his boat on the other side of his last heartbeat. I don't know. But you can hear in, in Mr. Henley words of great independence, of great, don't tell me what to do, pal. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. And whether you're saying that aggressively and assertively or you're saying that passively and kindly, it's still shaking our fist at a holy God. So Jesus comes into the midst of our self-reliance and says, Frank, you're heading in the wrong direction, but I'm the way. Frank, you're believing a lie, but I am the truth. And when it comes to your relationship with me, Frank, you're dead, but I am the life. He says, that's what I came to give you, what you need, life. I didn't come to give you religion or rules or traditions or anything else because you can't do it. You don't need those things. You need what you can't give yourself. Your best days don't make you alive as it pertains to me. I come to give you what you can't give yourself. Life. That's either true or it's false. There's his promise. You need life. Now, in the third chapter of John, maybe, it's, maybe we've heard this, this uh, scripture. Well, I'm going the wrong way. I'm back to Oprah. Maybe she's right. Um, John 3.16. Maybe many of you heard this scripture. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Now, that's quite a big, for God so loved the cosmos, but, but think about this scripture and let's just hone it down. Hope you don't mind. For God so loved sky that God gave to sky his only begotten son that if sky would believe in him, she would not perish, but she would have eternal life. For God so loved Brian that God gave Brian his only begotten son that if Brian would believe in him, he would not perish forever, but he'd have life. You see how personal that is, how real that is. God comes to every one of us individually and pronounces, you are dead, I am life, I come to give you what you can't give yourself. You can't earn it, you can't work for it, you can't pray your way up to it. I come to give you what you can't give yourself, and that is my life. He comes to give us what we need, life. How do I make the most of the rest of my life? How, how, do, how does life have any meaning? How, how does that happen? Is there more to life than this? Well, Jesus says there is. And that he desires for us to have, not just it, he desires for us to have him. We're going to dive into that much deeper next week. But let me close out my portion with this. Let's go back to our dear friend Shia LaBeouf. I don't handle fame well. Most actors on their most days don't think they're worthy. I have no idea where this insecurity comes from, but it's a God-sized hole. And if I knew, I'd fill it and I'd be on my way. Well, 36-year-old Shia LaBeouf, I want you to meet 400-year-old Blaise Pascal. Great philosopher, mathematician. Pascal said this, there is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every person. And it can never be filled by any created thing. It can only be filled by God made known through Jesus Christ. Hey, folks, what if that's true? What if that is true? I'd just like you to consider joining us next week to find out more, to spend more time sitting still and thinking and reasoning. What if this is the truth? What if Jesus actually is who he says 
and came to give what he said he came to give and actually produced what we so desperately need. So next week, uh, well, before I say that, I want to do this. I said, I was thinking about this for, you know, all of us Americans for the most part are fairly affluent. And I thought about this. What if all the stuff we have, okay, think about this. All the stuff we've got, all the gifts we've got was for the purpose, not just for the loan purpose, of course, but was used by God to bring us a frustration that showed us nothing that we've tried to accumulate actually satisfies us. Uh, nothing in our storage units, <laughs> our houses, our 401k plans, our bank accounts, our kids, our spouses, our, our reputation, nothing. What if that frustration is to point us to the real life that nothing created can give us, nothing in this world? Okay, next week, we're going to talk about who is Jesus. And so we're going to talk about things like the resurrection. What proof is there that I should even think of the Bible as historic or correct? Um, was Jesus a historical figure? Was he really who he said he was? We're going to talk about those things next week when we talk about that. Now, um, we're going to break in just a second. Coffee, bathrooms are down the hall. Um, but so in a moment, we're going to turn this over to your table host and to you guys. Um, it's going to get kind of loud in here. So only one person, if you will, at the table talking um, at a time. Um, but I, I did see this article that I thought was really interesting. Um, you don't have to talk, okay? But I, but I saw this article. It says, happy people talk more and with more substance. So if you don't speak, we're just going to assume you're just depressed and shallow. But don't worry about that. So, hey, if you're coming back next week, would you be so kind to fill out that registration form? If you are coming back, consider bringing somebody with you. So thank you for joining us. Thank you for those of you who joined us online. Let's take a quick break and hustle back to our tables. Thank you so much for being here.